It's really good to have everyone here and, uh, and so many folks and, and many of you, several of you are guests this morning. And so once again, we want to welcome you and just really glad that you're here. It's sort of an unusual, different kind of service maybe today for a, a variety of reasons, but we hope that the Lord will be an encouragement to you personally. And, and uh, it's my privilege to have this time to just share a little bit from, from God's word with you uh, this morning on the Lord's Day. So how are y'all doing? Good. Okay. Very good. Well, praise the Lord for that, right? Well, uh, this is a special day for many of us. So I, I was thinking just recently, and uh, in the Elgin area, I had a really good friend who was a pastor whose name was Willie Tate. Uh, Willie is an African-American pastor. And uh, probably about a month ago, I went to a memorial service for my friend Willie. And uh, Willie was a, a pastor in Elgin for many years and a special friend of mine. And uh, we worked together. Willie was uh, one of the first African-American pastors in the Elgin area that invited me into the the meetings of the African-American clergy in that community. And out of that, we became good friends, did a lot of things together, and, and we uh, had an opportunity to actually invite Willie and his music team from his church to come to our church and uh, share the word and, and have music. And they invited us to come to their place and do the same thing, and it was a blessing. And uh, he's just a good friend, and, and I, I just... I'm thankful for Willie Tate and his friendship and the fact that he had a heart to be a pastor to his congregation in Elgin. And uh, I'm sure looking forward to seeing him when, when I get to heaven. And so I, I praise God for pastors. Do you praise God for pastors? Amen. Anybody there? We don't want to name any names, but we do, right? <laughs> So we, once again, we're just thankful this morning to welcome Pastor Paul and Deborah back. Amen? Once again, yeah. So, yeah, it's such a blessing to us, to Jan and, and I, and, and uh, God works in a lot of mysterious ways, but we're here a lot because of how God worked through Pastor Paul and Deborah in our lives. So we praise God for pastors. Amen. Amen. And then the other guy, we, uh, we praise the Lord for Pastor Dan and uh, we sort of know him a little bit and, uh, and Jennifer and Matthew. Wasn't Matthew really good up here? Yeah. <laughs> now I know all of them. <laughs> they all were, right? So we praise the Lord for that and, and very thankful for what God is doing. And uh, you know, I just also wanted to mention here just at the beginning of this that you know, uh, in many congregations and in ours, we're blessed to have people in the congregation who formerly served as a pastor. And so we have, we have Bob Barrett, who is here and served the Lord as a pastor for many, many years. And we honor that. And, uh, and then we also have Tony Salerno. And I don't know how many of you realize that, but for many years, Tony served as a pastor. And so we're here this morning just to uh, honor pastors and to think about pastors a little bit together. What about 
And what about me? Yeah. So I'm here. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm up here. I'm, I just really feel released today because I have a great freedom. I can say whatever I want to because I'm no longer officially a pastor. <laughs> so watch out. <laughs> I, I'm very thankful. You know what they say? Old pastors never die. They just are put out to pastor. <laughs> That's me. So, <laughs> so we, we welcome and encourage our pastors here. And uh, our prayer today is that as a congregation, we will welcome pastors, our pastors. And we thank God. And I remember uh, for many years, I appreciated so much the people who would love me, my family, our family, and especially people who would come and say, we're praying for you. Probably no more important words than that were ever mentioned to, to me. And I'm thankful for that. And that, so that's where I'm coming from. For a few minutes this morning, I want to talk about whatever every pastor wants, what every pastor needs. And I changed the, the scripture uh, verse today to begin with. It's Romans 15, verses 30 to 32. And so uh, we should have that on the screen there. And uh, we'll find that Romans 15, verses 30 to 33, actually. And so let's read that together. Would you stand with me? And I'd like to have us uh, read it out loud together. Uh, You can look at it on the screen and we'll all have the same translation. Are you ready? Okay, this is the word of God. I appeal to you, brothers, Thank you. You can be seated. God's word is powerful. So uh, once again, we're just glad that you're here. Thank you for this opportunity. And uh, Pastor Paul will be sharing and starting a new series very soon. And I know that many of you are looking forward to that. My prayer today, again, for this message is that the Holy Spirit would stir up, kick up, prod up prayer and especially prayer for pastors. Contrary to what you may have heard, long distance is not the next best thing to being there. Prayer is. Prayer is the next best thing to being there. And I think God would ask us a question today if we're a follower of Christ. Would we like to be part of turning the tide in spiritual warfare? What would you say to that question? If you heard that from God, we are in a mess. Our world is in a mess. We're in chaos all over, aren't we? From top to bottom almost. How would we like to be part of turning the tide in spiritual warfare? Anybody interested? Amen. Amen. Or, as someone has said humorously, are we just content to sit, soak, and sour? (laughs) God gives us that choice. So we are praising God today because we can beat the devil 
And we can do it by the power of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And so I have three, just three brief challenges. What every pastor really wants, what every pastor really needs, very basic things. I'd like to share these with you. But uh, prayer is the key to all of this. So we have this little saying, much prayer, much blessing. blessing. No prayer, no blessing. And little prayer, little blessing. Amen. So what we want, of course, is much prayer and much blessing. Every pastor needs these three things. Number one, these are very basic things that you're already aware of. Number one, every pastor needs a church that is a house of prayer. We've talked about this many times, but a house of prayer is so, so very important. And there's a verse in the New Testament where Jesus came into the temple. You remember the day. I like to think of it. It's the day Jesus got mad. And he came into the temple and he said, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you're making it, what? A den of robbers. It's the day Jesus got mad. And that's so interesting to me. And of course, at that time, he was talking about the temple. But spiritually speaking, the church today is the temple. We are at the temple of God. And it's interesting to me that he says, my, my, my whole kingdom, my house, my plan, I want it to be called a house of prayer. He doesn't call it a house of preaching. He didn't call it a house of giving. He didn't call it a house of good works. And he didn't call it a house of potluck dinners. (laughs) And he didn't call it a house of music. And all those things are important, right? But he called it a house of prayer. Why did he do that? Well, we know why, don't we? Because we know Christianity, true Christianity, is not a religion. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if I'm going to love Jesus Christ, it means that I'm going to have a life with God day by day and prayer is going to be at the center of that. Because true prayer is the true way to really know God as a follower. Do I know God? Do you know God truly? And this is so important. So we've talked about this. I know it's familiar to most of us, but... In 1952, Albert Einstein was asked by a Princeton doctoral student, what was left in the world for original dissertation and research? And Albert Einstein replied, somebody needs to find out about prayer. Somebody needs to find out about prayer. Well, praise the Lord. (laughs) The Bible has taught us, right, about prayer, and and it's so important. So we we each have a motto, sort of, that we live with. In, in our Christian life, and, and maybe your motto is this, when all else fails, pray. <laughs> or maybe your motto is this, before anything else happens, pray. So the first one is like the, the last resort, and the second one is the first resort. I like the first resort, right? That's what God wants. That's the motto of my life and your life as a Christian. We need to pay the price about it. George Varner was absolutely right when he wrote, it is not enough for the pastor to pray fervently, nor is it sufficient for a leadership team to ardently pray on behalf of the congregation. Until the church owns prayer, 
as a world-class weapon in the battle against evil and cherishes prayer as a means of intimate and constant communion with God, the turnaround efforts of a body are severely limited, if not altogether doomed to failure. A church needs to be a house of prayer. And I don't know any pastor who would disagree with that. I don't know anybody out there who would say, no, I'm not interested in that. It's what every pastor wants and needs. Amen? Our relationship, my relationship to prayer is my relationship to God. Nothing more, nothing else, nothing less. My relationship to prayer is that. So, first challenge is let us be a house of prayer. Amen? Amen. Amen. So we're talking about what every pastor needs or wants. Here's another one that's sort of obvious. (laughs) Secondly, every pastor needs to be devoted to prayer himself. Anybody say amen to that? Yeah. So pastors, do you hear that? Everybody say amen to that? Amen. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Yeah, see, I can say a lot of things because I'm... (laughs) Uh, yeah, I'm out to pastor. <laughs> so we get that from a lot of passages in the Bible, but Acts 6 talks about the early church and the apostles, and, and they make this, this amazing statement, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. That's the church leaders in the early church. And there's some key words there. They're devoted, right? Devoted. And then the first thing they're devoted to is what? It's prayer, and the second thing they're devoted to is the ministry of the word. And that's it. That's it, right? That's it. One person that I read about was seeing his first Major League Baseball game in Cincinnati, and he said, what are those four priests doing out on the field? (laughs) So you know what that is, right? (laughs) You know, the, the referees, the umpires out on the field. So God's saying, you know, I want the priests out on the field. I want the pastors to be seriously devoted to prayer. I love it, don't you? We talk about this when, when we go to Africa with the pastors, and, and you've, heard, you've heard this too, but we believe that if God can transform a pastor, God can revive a church. And if God can revive a church, God can awaken a country. Hallelujah. That's true in Africa, but it's true in America too, isn't it? That's what we need. So it's hard. I mean, it's hard. And what, you know, I appreciate what Dan said at the beginning because, uh, you know, we're just normal people. Pastors are just normal people, right? We're just like you, you know, maybe a little better, maybe a little worse. (laughs) But we're just like you, aren't we? I I remember one time in Kansas when we were having a Bible study with a, a group of people in our home and just getting along pretty good and studying God's word. And there was a gal in our class and she just spoke up at when everybody, we were sort of joking around and she said, you know, I used to think that pastors were holy men until I met you. <laughs> I didn't know what to think about that. <laughs> and I didn't know what to say. <laughs> but we're just normal people. But prayer can become a missing link even for the most serious pastor. So we need to be devoted to prayer as well. So, amen, are you with me? 
So we are thankful at Riverside Church. We're thankful for our pastors. We're thankful for all the leaders that we have in the congregation here, not just pastors, but we have the pastors, we have the staff, we have the officers, elders, deacons, deacon, you know, committee heads, ministry leaders, Bible study leaders, small group leaders. We, we're thankful for the moms and dads in their homes who lead and the missionaries. And so if we're thankful for all these people. And we just want to say this morning, I want to say on behalf of us, we need you like crazy. All of you who serve in any kind of leadership role like that, we need you like crazy. But we need you to be able to pray like deep men and women of God. That's what we need. And are we doing it? For you see, there's not an easygoing Christ for easygoing disciples and a sacrificial Christ for serious disciples. There's just one Jesus. Which Jesus do you follow? Do I follow? So that's the second challenge. Let's be devoted to prayer as leaders. Amen? Is there a witness to this? Yeah, there's a witness. That brings us to the third one. And, and this is the one really that, that I wanted to emphasize the most this morning with you. The third challenge and need. Every pastor needs to be prayed for by his congregation. Amen? Amen. This is a biggie. This is a biggie. Prayed for leaders. So we read the passage at the beginning from Romans, right? And that was the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul said, pray for me. You know, he, he wasn't too big or too proud to request prayer. You know, that's amazing because every once in a while, and a lot of us as Christians, you know, we have this idea, well, I do not feel comfortable asking people to pray for me. You know what God thinks when, you hear, when he hears you say that? He thinks, What? He says, what? Get over it. Get over it. If the Apostle Paul can ask for prayer, <laughs> then maybe I can too, right? Amen. So in Kansas, we used to say what's good for the goose is good for the gander. Yeah. So there's so many verses in the Bible of the Apostle Paul talking about people praying for him. Here are just a few. 1 Thessalonians 5.25 says, he said, brethren, pray for us. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 11. You also joining and helping us through your prayers. Philippians 1, 19. For I know that this shall turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And then Philemon 22. At the same time, also prepare me a lodging, for I hope that through your prayers, I will be restored to you. It's all over in the New Testament. So hallelujah, right? Isn't this good? So I'm getting, I'm getting older. <laughs> I'm older right now than I was when I started today. <laughs> I've had a lot of experience over the years with pastors. <laughs> a lot of pastors. I've been around a lot of pastors. I could tell you a lot of stories. <laughs> Just one here, I got to tell you. So when we were in Kansas, we had a, a little Methodist church in our town that was a v liberal in theology. And um, 
they brought in a new pastor. And he was a great guy. He was a born-again Christian, was gifted in music, and he was a gifted evangelist. His name was Kingston David. So he went by King David. (laughs) And he started, this is a true story. And he, he started sharing the gospel in his church. And people were coming to Christ like crazy. It was a great time for the, for the kingdom of God there until one day our friend King David became like his namesake and ran off with the secretary. And the testimony of Jesus Christ went boom, just like that in our little town. So I've been around a lot of different pastors. <laughs> I've seen a lot of pastors come and go. Some of them come for show. Some of them go slow. Some of them glow. And some of them need to go. (laughs) I've had a lot of friends. I've had pastor friends who have gotten so discouraged that they've left. I've had, I've seen churches that have thrown pastors out. I had a brother pastor who committed suicide. Met one chair. I've seen churches with one pastor after another every three or four years. Boom, boom, boom. You know, you don't know what's... In the Chicagoland area, we have the mega church fiasco. But, but don't be surprised because we also have many church fiascos all over the place in the Fox Valley area. But I praise God, I've got a lot of friends. I have so many friends. A lot of faithful servants of Jesus Christ who are pastors that, that you don't know, that, that are not in big, huge churches, but are faithfully serving the Lord. And I love these guys. You know, it's hard to find the right pastor, amen? Uh, and so there's, a, you know, you can look online, you can find all these things of, of what is the perfect pastor, right? Uh, does Riverside Church have the perfect pastor? Be careful. Because the answer is yes. You know who it is? It's Jesus. Because Psalm 23, Jesus says, the Lord, or David wrote, the Lord is my shepherd. And another word for shepherd is pastor. The Lord is my pastor. I shall not want. So praise the Lord. We have the perfect pastor. But the Lord also, as we know, you know, this is one of the diagrams that you can look at for an ideal pastor. Don't look at it too long, though. <laughs> but we know that the Lord uses humans, uses, uses, uses us as his under shepherds, we would say. So I had this, in, I found this in the bulletin for us, in a weekly bulletin of an unidentified church about the perfect pastor. So you ready? The ideal pastor preaches exactly 10 minutes. I'm already done. (laughs) He he condemns sin, but he never hurts anybody's feelings. He works from 8 a.m. to midnight and also serves as the church janitor. He makes $40 a week, (laughs) wears good clothes, and donates $30 a week to the church. He's 29 years old, and he has 40 years of experience. He makes 15 house calls a day, and he's always in his office. 
If your pastor does not measure up to these criteria, send this list to six other churches that are also dissatisfied with their pastor. Then bundle up your pastor and send him to the church at the top of the list. In one week, you will receive 1,643 pastors. Surely one of them will be perfect. Have faith in this letter. One church broke the chain and got its old pastor back in three months. <laughs> I don't know about that. Stuart Briscoe said there were three qualifications of good pastor. Number one, the mind of a scholar. Number two, the heart of a child. And number three, the hide of a rhinoceros. And I would say amen and amen to that. So God is working through these things. We could say a lot of things here. This is a true story, another true story. It's a story of a man who was on a flight one time. He was on his way to speak at a conference, sitting on the flight, and there was a man sitting right next to him on the flight from Detroit to Boston, and, and they didn't talk too much, but he looked over one time, and he saw that the guy was bowing. His head looked like he was praying, and so he thought he should engage him in some conversation, and so he did. And he said, uh, uh, are you a Christian? The, our, our friend said that, are you a Christian? And the man looked at him, he seemed shocked by the question. He said, oh, no. You have me all wrong. I'm not a Christian. I'm actually a Satanist. And, and John asked him, said, well, what do you, it looked like you were praying. What are you praying for if you're a Satanist? And he said, do you really want to know? He said, yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. He said, my primary attention is directed toward the fall of Christian pastors and their families living in New England. And he asked John what he was going to do. He told him he was a pastor. <laughs> They talked for a few minutes. He said, I got to get back to work. And he stopped talking, started praying again. There's a target on the back of pastors, target on the back of a lot of us, but especially pastors. There's a lot of things, you know, that, that we could say about pastors, and, and they're difficult things. You know, I just want to mention a few things here. They've done studies and they've done surveys and you can read them, you can find them. But let me just share some things that you might not be aware of from, from one of these that I was going through recently. They did a lot of research on it. They found out, of course, that pastors, in their opinion, are in a tremendously dangerous occupation. And we are the most, it says here, we are the most, perhaps the single most stressful and frustrating working profession more so than medical doctors, lawyers, politicians, or cat groomers who have claws. <laughs> I'm just reading. <laughs> they said, uh, we have found that over 70% of pastors are so stressed out and burned out that they regularly consider leaving the ministry. 35 to 40% actually do leave the ministry most years, usually after five years. In this survey, they, they surveyed over 1,000 pastors. And, and here's just some of the results from this one survey. You can check it out. 100% of the pastors surveyed, every one of them had a close associate or seminary buddy who had left the ministry because of burnout or conflict in a church. 90% of the pastors 
stated they're frequently fatigued and worn out on a weekly and daily basis. 89% of the pastors said that they actually considered leaving the ministry at one time. 57% said that they would leave if they had a better place to go with a good paying job. 77% of the pastors surveyed said they did not think they had a good marriage. 75% of the pastors felt they were unqualified or poorly trained by their seminaries. 72% of the pastors surveyed said that they only studied, this is interesting, they only studied the Bible when they were preparing sermons. 71% of the pastors stated that they were burned out and that they battled depression beyond fatigue on a weekly and even a daily basis. 30% said that they had either been in an ongoing affair, sexual affair, or a one-time sexual encounter with a parishioner. 26% said that they were having regularly personal devotions and that they felt fed spiritually. 23% in this survey said they felt happy and content on a regular basis with who they are in Christ. That's eye-opening, isn't it? That's sort of a peek on the other side for most of us in a congregation. So somebody asked me one time, you know, if I ever thought about leaving the ministry when I was pastoring and, and I, again we're just normal people too and um, you know there's a lot of days when I was serving had the opportunity to serve where I just thank God because I felt like I had the most wonderful job possible to study the Bible and teach the Bible and help people find Christ and it was just glorious I mean I I was so thankful, and I still am so thankful for that. But to be honest with you, there were other days, not as many, but there were other days when I felt like I wouldn't give this job to my worst enemy. And I'm serious about that. And so that's just the other side of it. So what we're saying here, I don't know if this makes sense to you. Maybe you know all this already, or maybe this is brand new. I don't know. I'm just... It's my turn. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll be done after this, Paul. <laughs> and uh, praying for pastors is so important. So you might say, well, what should I pray for? And, and so I'm glad you asked. Let me give you just quickly a list of things. Seven P's. It starts with a P. Uh, P stands for perfect. So here's a list of things to pray for for your pastor. Number one, pray for his protection. Pray that God would protect him from attacks and temptations of the devil. Amen? Number two, pray for his people. That means his spouse, his children, and his family. Pastors don't always have a good track record with their families. Number three, pray for his preaching, which is his most significant ministry. And here's an interesting thing. Are you praying for the preaching of your pastors? You don't have to answer out loud but you know what you hear from them is what you get because of your prayers 
And if you want it better, guess what? And if you're thankful, guess what? It's the praying level that raises the preaching level. Now, I don't know any good pastor who would disagree with that. Amen? That's so important. That's number three. Number four, pray for his perception. Wisdom to make the right choices. Number five, pray for his passion. Being able to say no to discouragement and depression. Number six, pray for his perseverance. Not quitting when the going gets tough. And number seven, pray for his priorities. That he be able to keep the main thing, the main thing, the main thing. The main thing is to be devoted to prayer and the ministry of the word. Amen. Pray for those things. That's so much. You know, you remember Spurgeon who was that, called the Prince of Preachers. is with the Lord now, of course. It, it is said of Spurgeon, he would plead even with tears to his church for them to pray for him. And they did. They had gigantic prayer meetings. And he was so thankful. So that's our third challenge. Does this make sense this morning? Let's lift up our church leaders to the throne of grace as a congregation. Amen? So what we're thinking about is we just need a prayer shield. We just need a shield around us, right? All of us. And in Ephesians 6, Paul, once again, at the end of that chapter on spiritual warfare, you remember his words. He says this. He says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. And then Paul says, pray also for me, that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains. Pray that I might declare it fearlessly as I should. Ephesians 6, 18 to 20. So hallelujah. Three things every pastor needs. Number one, a church that is a house of prayer. Number two, a life that is devoted to prayer. And number three, a congregation that prays for him always. Pray for your pastor. Amen and amen, right? You might be thinking, you know, that you're not good at praying. Hey, just join the club. (laughs) Join the club, right? That's where most of us are. Maybe you read one time about a committed Christian named George Mueller who believed in prayer, remember? He kept a journal of his prayers for more than 50 years. When he died, his children found boxes and boxes full of his journals. And they leafed through the journals and they saw that many of the sections had been underlined and they realized that the underscoring represented the many answers to prayer that he had witnessed. And so they were determined to find out how many answered prayers there were. And they took a number of the journals they tabulated. When they got back together, they discovered that George Mueller had underlined 50,000 answers to prayer. That's 1,000 answers a year, almost three answers a day for 50 years. What an incredible amount of faith that man had. Most of us. Don't even ask God for three things every day. 
let alone record all of his answers. Jesus said, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. That's what we need, a prayer shield. Amen? So, thanks for being patient on this today. Um, I'd like to just wrap it up by this. Again, if I know that we have had a lot of guests here today, and we're just really thankful that you uh, gave us the, the privilege of being here, and uh, especially with the baby dedications. And, and it's a neat time to see those kids up there, right? When you look in the eyes of those kids, what do you see? Can you see the world? Can you see that some of these kids may be pastors, missionaries, church leaders, Bible study leaders? Because God has a plan for all of them. And you might think, well, I can't pray. I can't do anything. And maybe you're really new at prayer. And we would just say that if that's the case, don't worry about that. Because we were all there once. But don't hesitate to take the plunge and move ahead. And if you happen to be here and you haven't found Jesus Christ yet as your Savior, that's the, that's the way to start right there. A simple prayer of faith in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior will get you going. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but has everlasting life. He paid for my sins. I confess to him that I'm a sinner. I believe that he paid the penalty of my sins and I invite him into my life and he comes and he gives me the free gift of eternal life and forgiveness of sins. And that's how to start. And it's a prayer. It's a prayer away. And you just need to know if you're not there yet, this is a good time to do it. But if you're not there yet, you need to know that you have an enemy out there in the world who hates you. And he will ruin your life. And that's not just pastors, that's everybody. But you have a great friend in Jesus Christ who loves you and he will help you with your life. Why not reach out to him right now? Even this morning, in the quiet of your heart, in the quiet of this moment as we close. He's waiting. And we'd love to help you take that step by, if you want to talk afterwards, we'd love that. But that first step of faith in coming to Christ will open up heaven's gates and it will open up to you the wonderful power of prayer. God bless you as you come to Christ today. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for brothers and sisters in Christ who love you and love your word and are willing to listen for a long time. Lord, thank you that this morning we rejoice that we have at Riverside Community Church, we have the perfect pastor. We have Jesus. Thank you for that. And Lord, we thank you for the men and others that you have put under him to shepherd us. Pastor Paul, Pastor Dan, and their wives, we thank you for them, Lord. 
And we thank you for one another. Lord, would you just do a miracle and teach us all to pray. Pray without intermission, without ceasing, for Jesus' sake. In Jesus' name we ask this. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Go ahead and stand up. So I'm going to call an audible here. The elders might fire me, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, the Lord's leading me to call up Pastor um, Paul and Pastor Dan and just all stretch hands toward, to, towards them and just pray this morning. That'd be all right. So if the two pastors could come and come up here, Dave, if you want to lay your hands on them, I'm just going to lead us all in a, in a congregational prayer for our pastors in response. Brad. Brad. Brad, you need to come up here. So your audible fits in with another audible. <laughs> Perfect. take a few minutes to publicly uh, thank our pastors and to show appreciation for them um, and their ministries here. Um, so um, I wrote down a few things. I'll just like blow off everything I write, but I'm going to try to stay, <laughs> stay on track here. I wrote down, I place these two men and their wives here at Riverside. I believe that God has glorified uh, or gifted them uniquely to shepherd and to lead this body of believers. I consider it a privilege, as I'm sure you all do as well, 